You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes. Greg, I've got a great pitch to throw at you. All right, let's have it. What the hell was that? A pitch. I threw you a pitch. We're doing a baseball movie this week. What did you think was going to happen? I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today, we are discussing the 2016 film, Everybody Wants Some! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, lo- love a movie with exclamation or any kind of punctuation. <laughs> any, that I yeah, to say big fan. <laughs> Liam two, is a big two fan. Two punctuations was a choice, Dickie Links. <laughs> Um, and of course we are joined, uh, by a guest I'm very excited to have on this podcast, uh, a very funny comedian and the host of the walk-off podcast, uh, one of the most popular Blue Jays baseball podcasts here to discuss this baseball movie. Uh, my good friend Scott Belford is here. Hello, Scott. Hello, Liam. Hello, gentlemen. It's good to be here. I'm excited to talk. Everybody wants some as, as mediocre as this movie is, as a... (laughs) As a, And it is very mediocre. It's so funny because even watching it, I'm like, I actually like this movie. And while watching it, I was like, yeah, but I can't defend this. Like, I- <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it, uh, <laughs> it warms my heart to hear you say that because I was afraid that if I came at this too hard, I might, <laughs> I might offend our guest. <laughs> I'm, I'm not though. I, I actually, in the, in the end, I felt like I had a good time with this. Surprisingly, yeah, we agreed. We wanted to do a baseball movie, and we ended up going with everybody wants some because so many of the baseball movies that are classics are like sacrosanct. You, yes, yeah, they they kind of enter into the lofty air of untouchable. So we were like, let's do everybody wants some, and then we watched the movie, and it's like baseball is very incidental to this film. <laughs> Yes. Not a lot of baseball in this movie. (laughs) I agree with that, but they do do a really good job of putting little Easter eggs in there for the baseball nerds. And I mean, we will dive more into that, but there are little parts of it where I'm just like, oh man, if, if you didn't play baseball, that whole scene meant nothing. Right. So (laughs) such as like, what would, what would be one we might've missed? Okay. So right off the top, um, left-handed pitchers are known kind of like goaltenders are in hockey. They're just like a little different. They're weird. The thing with left-handed pitchers too is that everybody makes a big deal about them. And so they've probably had like a bunch of admiration thrown at them since they were young just for being able to throw pretty well left-handed. And it's just there aren't as many left-handers out there. And they <laughs> the numbers and the analytics of baseball says that a righty is going to pitch much better against left-handers and vice versa. So if you throw left, the majority of hitters are hitting right. So you just have an advantage over the largest percentage of guys coming to the plate. So baseball loves numbers like that. 
So, but they're also weird and they're kind of off to themselves and stuff like that. So when right off the gate, when they're in the frat house or whatever, and the big all American hitter is already <laughs> in the house. Right. And, and yeah. Jake comes in and he's like, you know, new to the, the party or whatever, just got there. Hasn't met his teammates yet. And he introduces himself and he's like, Right away, he's friendly, but then he's like, what position do you play? And he's like, oh, I'm a pitcher. And right away, he's like, oh, we can't be friends. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then he, he even like, he even asks in that moment, he's like, you're not a lefty. And that's just like a little like tidbit. If you're like not a baseball nerd, it's just an irrelevant piece of nothing. Yeah. Right. And it probably just but it adds to their douchiness <laughs> yeah makes him that extra special unicorn boy that he has to you know not let him ha- keep keep that status yeah yeah exactly yeah amazing uh yeah this is uh this was a richard linklater film from 2016 called everybody wants some uh it stars blake jenner as jake zoe dutch as beverly glenn powell as finnegan taylor hochlin as mcreynolds Wyatt Russell as Willoughby, and Jay Quinton Johnson as Dale. This movie was chock full of people I almost recognized. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a big cast, and it's it's interesting because we really do kind of get to know a lot of the guys in the house um, decently well. I think like to the point where you kind of feel like you're chumming around with them when you're watching them, like go to parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. It feel it feels like you're hanging out with these guys for a weekend. And that is kind of a testament to the, to the movie in a way. Yeah. I think that's, it's, that's its main charm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's dazed and confused, but in an era that what didn't have as good a music. Let's like that's literally what they were <laughs> attempting to do. Even out of the gate when they're playing my Sharona, and I'm just like, man, sweet emotion was way cooler. Like, you know, <laughs> you're gonna. I'm start actually a movie. glad you <laughs> glad you mentioned the the dazed and confused uh, angle of it because I I had never seen it, so I also watched it in preparation for watching this movie. Um, this I, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but. Uh, this movie infinitely better than Days and Confused, and frankly, I Days and Confused overrated. I can't be- I can't believe the hype that movie has, <laughs> having watched it for the first time a week ago. Well, I I hate that. I hate everything you just said, Liam. <laughs> it just seems like cat. It's catnip for boomers. It was just like, hey, do you remember 1976? And then in 1993, I'm sure it was blowing boomers' minds. I'm sure if they made the same movie but just said it in 2005, I'd be all gaga for it as well. High school in 2005. Well, look at all the clicks. MySpace. Ah, like. But it just. It was for. It was just for boomers in 1993, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I don't like that you're calling me a boomer. I'm 41, but <laughs> no, <laughs> we're all about the same age. It's just that was like Richard Linklater, right? Like he's putting that, you know, yeah. it's supposed to be this timeless high school classic, but I found it mostly like, and it, actually it's interesting because it's, but in how do you make well. a timeless high school yeah. classic, right? Like, yeah. cause it did, it did hold up 20 years ago. I loved it 20 years ago anyways. I don't know. I just, as a cannabis enthusiast, I thought it was more of a like, 
I, I got the impression it was like a Cheech and Chong movie or something. And when it was just like, here's a bunch of American kids wondering what's next. I'm like, oh, okay. I, and I only <laughs> like half of them. But you also, you pointed out uh, after watching this, you felt that Dazed and Confused is very much about the end of high school. Whereas everybody wants them is about the beginning of college. It's yes. the start of something. And it, it has a completely different yeah. kind of feel to it because of that. And that makes it different enough to justify it. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's but also, <laughs> and, and I thought Jake was a good protagonist because he was new coming into this, like into this team, into this house that they all live in, into this college environment. So we got to kind of like, share his journey in getting to know these people in kind of getting settled into college. And he's decently likable. Like he's not a total jerk. None of them are really total jerks. Mm -hmm. Even if some of them like give you a bad first impression, it's, it's actually a magic trick. The movie pulls some of the guys do give Jake a bad first impression and then totally redeem themselves later on. Yeah. They come together as a team and it's a pretty, I mean, common sports theme, but I like it. And they do a pretty decent job of like kind of by the end, they're all like, yes, we're going to win state or whatever the hell they're winning. Right. Cause, cause we're the only good team at this college. (laughs) Yeah. That's swagger. Yeah. But it really, it, they dare you to not like the characters in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like I'm like, are all of these guys just Ben Affleck from dazed and confused? (laughs) This could be a long movie. If it's just 16 Ben Affleck. It's it's very, very bro-y and it, yeah, Yeah. it, it, but then it it wears itself thin quite quickly. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, I was, like I said to Liam earlier, like I, I, I felt like I was ready to, to just pack it in and <laughs> walk away from it when, within the first 20 minutes. But it, it did ultimately uh, find its, its legs with me, and I, and I did walk away from it feeling pretty, pretty good. Yeah. In a pretty good mood. It really teaches you that good-looking people can just dress up differently and still look good doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of speaking of good looking people, that I'm excited to see Glenn Powell show up in more things because that guy's he's because he's in um, Top Gun Maverick, yeah, uh, yep. and he's in some new uh, rom com with uh, Sydney Sweetie Sweetie. What, I forget. And he's in a rom com, and he's he's rom com guy now. Um, but he's like he's got this kind of like charismatic. Oh, acerbic yeah. wit swagger that Ryan Reynolds has, but the same kind of like steely, piercy, blue pouty face as Ryan Gosling. And he, <laughs> dare I say, better than the sum of its parts? Yeah. He, I don't know. He, <laughs> I, I don't know that I'd, I don't know that I'd walk up to saying that he steals the show here because yeah. everybody's really quite good. Um, but he he's definitely a standout in the cast. Actually, the whole cast is is really good like as an ensemble goes they got together a really good group of guys that all really click together they have really good chemistry together um zoe dutch is like token girl <laughs> um yeah <laughs> uh is really good and she gets she has good chemistry with blake jenner um i liked her character i thought she was very believable too and as a as a theater nerd <laughs> <laughs> i was like yeah yeah that's absolutely a theater party that's a hundred percent yep i've been to yeah. a party like that before <laughs> like <laughs> that was one of the most relatable parts was the theater party being like yeah i've been to parties where people are just doing weird shit on the floor for no yeah. reason um i think about the next fest like naked night where there was literally a, a heavy petting zoo at one point it was just like you could go in and people had consented to like you want to come in and hug on a mat 
at this party is we is wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. did do, um, I've been, they to, did I've been do, to crazy theater parties too. Yeah. They did do a pretty good job of like really dialing in the microscope on all of the parties and the different genres of people that there were and really like turning it to the max, you know, like even when they were doing the line dancing of like, Oh yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been at that country bar. I'm pretty sure yeah. Like, yeah, that's but- how they look. Yes. <laughs> and I've been in that punk circle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And Greg was saying uh, before we turned on the mics that he was always expecting there to be some conflict involving these jocks going into an environment that they don't belong. And every time they just chameleon themselves in because they're motivated by trying to hook up with girls yes. and have a good time. And so they're willing to they're willing to just like blend into whatever environment they're in. So they fit in at the country bar. They fit in at the disco. They fit in at the punk uh, concert. They fit in at the theater party. And it's just kind of delightful to see them. Just Is that like, is that doing the same masculinity? Thing, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But the fact the fact that they're willing to do that too was very charming in a way. Yeah. That's what I felt like they were they were dialing they were dialing it up to like just right near toxic masculinity and and just like just dialing back a scotch. Yeah. <laughs> so that it didn't really like turn your stomach. Um I just appreciated that like they they hit you with the thesis of the movie fairly like deftly right at the end when he like sits down into the class he's it's the now the first day of class he's going to sleep at the desk which also is very funny that he's like finally the end of the movie mm-hmm. um <laughs> but the the teacher on the chalkboard writes frontiers are where you find them um and it's like oh that's been the theme yeah. all along but instead of like foreshadowing it or like teeing it up early it's like we kind of come to the same conclusion at the end of the movie. And then they're like, Hey, in case you didn't get it, this is what it was about. <laughs> Exclamation mark. Just like in the title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but since we've mentioned the end of the movie, perhaps we should hit our listeners with a, a quick synopsis. So we, you know, if you haven't seen this one, you know exactly what, what goes down. Same high school, man. You had a new level here. You have not earned teammate status yet. Who the hell are you? Oh, uh, Jake. Bradford. Until you do, you're nobody. Excuse me. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. Bye. I'd like to introduce you to the new guys. Two rules. No booze in this house. Number two, no girls upstairs in those bedrooms. I'm seriously worried about these new guys. Look at what we have here. Hey, ladies. Party later tonight at the baseball houses. You should be investing this energy elsewhere. Lesbians. I like the quiet guy in the backseat. Oh, there's nothing here. Yeah, I can see how that could get threatening. New guy coming in, getting all the ladies. That's a joke. I got your joke right here. Did he just call it a joke? That's what he implied. Baseball player Jake goes to college and has a pretty good time. He goes to parties with his new housemates, plays a little baseball, and eventually meets a nice theater nerd. They kiss. Then Jake goes to class. The end. <laughs> that's, 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 that's beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's that's the story. I, I've been yeah. given Scott marathons to read lately for plot summaries, so this movie really gave me an opportunity to give him a break. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's a very much a slice of life movie. Like you, mm-hmm. you follow these dudes, primarily Jake, but kind of the whole ensemble of dudes through like the weekend before the first day of college. And that's it. There's no real conflict other than like a few little squabbles here and there that just happen when people are living together. It's, it's just like 
this is just a little piece out of Jake's life that we get to experience with him. And it's very enjoyable. It's weirdly enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. There were some cool scenes too. Like just, you know, I, I don't know why I'm such a sucker for like four guys walking into a building to a cool song, but there was plenty of that. In <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it had sort of, a, um, I guess you can call it like a comforting loop. I, 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 I found it a little frustrating, but it was like, it was like they, they go to a party, something happens after the party, then they go to another party, something happens, go to a party. <laughs> and like, that was sort of like the whole, the first half of the movie. And yeah, it's, it, uh, that's kind of where I was a little bit like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, if I'm going <laughs> to dig anything that this movie's throwing at me. I think it turned for me at the, at the baseball scene. Because maybe at that at long last, my brain was like, ah, baseball. <laughs> we're, finally <laughs> at the, we're finally seeing bats and, yeah. <laughs> and such. Right? Well, and it's it's also what really makes them as characters and as housemates kind of finally click. Because they talk a lot about actually playing baseball. And then you see them play some baseball, even if it's just like their, their uh, optional wink mandatory practice. Yeah. And, uh, and it all kind of comes together and it like, it all makes sense in that moment. It's kind of beautiful, actually. The scout they think they see too. That is, <laughs> that is just like such an ongoing thing in, and it doesn't matter. Baseball, hockey, there's always somebody watching, right? Like every team motivates themselves. There's somebody checking this out. Like college, I didn't even play college sports, but like, all my buddies who did like that's literally all they thought about right was just oh when's a scout gonna see the talent that i truly am and i just love how they <laughs> depicted that it was great i also you know what else i loved about the movie was like just the little side story they had with uh wyatt russell who was the 30 year old right and got busted yeah. and i don't know if you guys have ever seen battered bastards of baseball but nope. that's a documentary on Netflix. And even if you're not a baseball fan, it's such a fun little piece of baseball where um, basically baseball is a monopoly. Major League Baseball. There used to be independent teams all over North America, right? That weren't affiliated with Major League Baseball at all. And one of those teams was the Portland Beavers. And baseball wound up literally buying up all these independent teams, taking all the players. So what it did was it eliminated the competition amongst these teams because baseball became a big business and it was all about developing players and stuff and, you know, having a minor league system where you can do so. So the competitors left and then the players left all the time. So it was tough for fans to like get involved in like cheering on a team for years because the players are rolling over every six yeah, months. Turnover. Exactly. Yeah. But anyways, long story short, Kurt Russell's dad, Bing Russell, he was a big movie star or well, not a movie star, but they called him like a jobber. Like he just went out and worked. I guess he like was in like 150 Westerns and died or whatever. Right. Like he was that type of actor where he'd just go in and do his yeah. scene and away you go. He got sick of it. This is the longest story. Sorry, I'll wrap it up. But no, it's he, he literally, the fact that you've tied in movie history to it, keep it going. It's great. So he literally goes from LA quits all his acting stuff, took all his money and he bought an independent team in Portland after this team had been bought by the major league 
uh, franchise and then moved. So Portland that had a team all of a sudden had nothing. He comes in and he's the first and only independent team running a baseball organization in the United States. And this affiliate league lets them come in because they think they're going to be a joke. And basically they moneyballed before moneyball, right? Like they were picking up really good. They were picking up really good ball players that just like had a big mustache and they're like, Oh, he's disgusting. Right. It's the like early (laughs) seventies. So like, it was just like all these long haired hippies and like all these like guys from Mexico, right? Like just like Hispanic descent. And they're like, nah, nah, we're good. So, Basically, this Portland team uh, of of like underdogs. Kurt Russell's playing first base for them because he was a great ball player, and his dad owns the team, and like they wind up winning. Anyways, long story short, this team becomes so good that for four years they compete for the championship, and the only way that they get beat is that the major league teams literally come to the finals, start sending the best players from like triple a and stuff down to play this a team so that they can save face uh anyways (laughs) all of this to say it was kind of cool to see wyatt russell is like a part of this movie because baseball does run throughout so deep throughout the russell name and it was just kind of neat to see him be the guy who's like can't give the game up right yeah yeah sick i didn't realize that guy was related to kurt russell there you go there you go i just why russell's his son (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had just finished watching Monarch, which has Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell in it. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> Every time he came out, I was like, I know that face. It was like, so there was so many like Glenn Powell. I thought that and um, um, Tyler Hoechlin, Hoechlin, like I like I had seen them before because like Tyler Hoechlin's the new Superman. Yeah, right? he's he's been yeah. playing Superman on TV. I, yeah, I don't watch that show, so, but I knew I had seen his face and that was like half the cast for me. <laughs> I also, just to, to bring it back to Willoughby, the guy who can't give up the game played by Wyatt Russell, I also just like that he, he like, I think the role he plays in the story is that, like, you got to go figure out what you want to do. You got to go find those new frontiers. And here's a guy who can't, like, can't give it up. Yeah. And it's going to cost him everything. Like, eventually, like, you, you got to move forward. You got to take that next chance. You can't spin your tires. Yeah, it does catch up to you. No, that's a great summation of it. Absolutely. And I, I also, just like the stoner character. He's the guy who's like, yeah, man, you just got to smoke this up. Yeah, man. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays, I, I also, he, he plays good baseball. Like that was another thing that impressed me about the movie is like the baseball scenes there were, you could tell that they had chosen actors that were very competent at it. Right. Like it, it yeah. felt gamey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the thing about Willoughby as well. Uh, that I kind of liked is after he gets busted and after they find out why he was busted, because we're left hanging on that for a little bit. Like, why did he just get kicked off the team? Yeah. And it comes out that he's actually, he lied about his age in order to play college, continue playing college baseball. And the, the guys are like, isn't that weird? Also, he was a super cool dude. I'm not even angry at him. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a drag. It's a bummer. Um, Going yeah. with the theme of no conflict. There, even yeah. even the one conflict yeah, yeah. they had, everyone was like, we're cool with it though. Yeah. 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 The one the, the one conflict that actually resolves itself properly is in that same scene with the the crazy pitcher who's who's thinking that he's everything to baseball. Yeah. And and then uh McReynolds shows him up by 
uh, slamming home a home run on his when he's trying to throw him heaters, right? So, yeah, like the, like there's there is stuff there, but it's it's highly contained and it doesn't really transfer from scene to scene. In fact, if anything, it it really plays into them gelling as a team more, and it shows examples of like you know him being the leader and the pitcher getting in line after that. I love too that the yep. pitcher was just like such a nut job and like also <laughs> also could be put in his place so quickly because we, we've all met guys like that, right? Like, yeah, a <laughs> lot of a lot of yeah. bark, and as soon as there's another dog, they're like, "Whoa, okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all of the all of the dudes on the team seemed like really believable characters to me. Like half of them were like, oh, I know that guy. Like, yeah, it was a very natural dialogue to deliver. Yeah. Naturally written and naturally delivered. Like when they're sitting around pouring the beers, I was like, damn, this is like, you know, re- truly slice of life. Like it, it's, see, I buy it yeah. profoundly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one, the one character that was a little odd to me was um, um, the guy they called Buter. Mm-hmm. Um, because he has he has this um, almost dark scene where he's extremely menacing to Jake, where he just like Jake wants to uh, he's he's looking for a place to make out with his girl that he's met at the party. Right. And he yeah. comes up to his room and Buter is his roommate and he's just asking him if he can have the room for a little bit. And like it's he he refuses in kind of just like this this darkly dickish way. And. That was an interesting scene, but the the very next scene, um, he's completely like subservient to every like all the other players on the team. Like he doesn't he doesn't ha- none of the, none of that um, darkness comes out in him again for the rest of the movie, and it's, it, it seemed like a strange choice to me. I loved it because I've met lots of guys like that, where it's like they kind of are the one who's getting bullied, and then. He sees Jake as also a rookie, and why the heck does this guy get any leeway? I'm going to like flex on this dude. So yeah, yeah. I like that it stood as, out as, to you, but I, I I just was like, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as a longtime victim of bullying, strategy number one <laughs> is get it onto someone else. That's the easiest <laughs> way. You can't you can't fight it. You can only redirect it. <laughs> it just doesn't. It doesn't seem like he didn't like like if he if he came down in that in that next scene. Uh, where he like where he had a moment where he was trying to big dog the the veterans on the team and then he got shut down that would sort of like make a little bit more sense to me well, but he, he just like slipped. he didn't even he, like he didn't even try you know he was just like he was immediately just like ah and he was like completely shy or or taken aback by them so he, yeah that was the the one thing that i felt that didn't ring particularly true to me in a movie that's full of like you know pretty natural interactions from character to character it's funny because there were so many scenes that were eye-rolling to me, but also I enjoyed. Like, mm-hmm. the the scene where he cuts the ball in half with the axe. Like, <laughs> I I hated it and loved it at the same time. Like, I, <laughs> like, such an impossible, ridiculous thing, but also what a cool, fun idea. I don't know if it was executed properly or whatever everyone else thought, but, like, I was also... Uh, there were just like so many scenes like that where I was like, "Am I cringing at this, or did I just enjoy that?" Because I'm I'm kind of on the fence. <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to pivot to uh, Jake and Beverly's little romance toward the end because I 
I liked it. And one of the reasons I liked it is because this is like a high school jock and a high school theater nerd who sit down and have like a meaningful conversation with one another and realize they have a very shared experience. And I really like appreciated that they connected on that Mm -hmm. because they're both coming from a place where they were the best at what they do in their high school. And now they're with all other people who were the best at what they did as well in their high school. And they're no longer the big fish in their, in their little pond. And uh, for Beverly, it's because she was always the lead in her high school play, but now she's not sure she's even going to get like uh, a, a, like a, some like minor role. Like, yeah. yeah. And Jake is like legitimately concerned. Like, I don't, will I make the team in the end? There's three other pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's how they kind of like find the common ground and like click. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And I like that, that it's like two different high school clicks realizing they actually have a lot in common in a way. They actually because do they're not do, in high school anymore. Yeah, they actually do do, and I'm just kind of realizing this now as I'm I'm listening to you kind of describe that. But they do actually do a pretty good job of showing uh, people that are confident in what they do, but are experiencing self doubt for maybe the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah that's and that's yeah. and that's true with both both Beverly and Jake, and yeah. to an extent the other rookies on the team in the house with him. Too. Absolutely. And I think that's a kind of interesting stuff you can do when, like, we were joking about how there's no conflict, but there's also no antagonist. Like, there's not any person who's, like, hand-wringingly evil. There's no space lasers. There's no, like, <laughs> big bad to defeat. And because of that, you get to just explore the kind of, like, weird nuances of just interpersonal relationships. And I think yeah. that's why there's so many little conflicts instead of one big one is because he's it's just Jake rubbing up against a new personality that both him and us are like, well, this, fuck this guy. He's going to be the bad guy. Oh no, he's just a guy. He's yeah. learning too. He's yeah. 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 So, yeah. It's uh, it's like, a, it's a wonderful little character movie. <laughs> and Guys, I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, I liked this movie. Like <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to say I like it too. And also I think what we're describing here is maybe even why I like it better than Dazed and Confused is because Dazed and Confused feels like an anthology. Like you would have, you could have done Dazed and Confused, like, let's see what these guys get up to on a night. And let's see what these guys get up to on a night. But instead of doing it like an anthology, Dazed and Confused, it's like it's all woven together. It's like 20 short stories woven together. Whereas this is more Jake and a supporting character stepping into these new frontiers and having these new, like, mm-hmm. just bang new experience, bang new experience, bang. Uh, and I think it gives it more of a genuine arc even if it doesn't make for a like beginning middle and end story Mm -hmm. no that's really well put and like i i I like how you you put it that like dazed and confused really is just a bunch of short stories smashed together whereas this even though there's not really much of a story you are kind of just following jake along as he goes and i do like that there are little nuances that just would happen in life too. Like when he runs into mm-hmm. his, his punk buddy who quit baseball and was like, yeah, I hate baseball yeah. and my dad's a dick. It's like, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> we, we know that guy. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, Oh wait, do you guys want to come to a punk concert? And he's like, I don't know guys, do you want to go to a punk concert? And Finnegan is just like, hell yeah, we want to go to a punk concert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I almost found that part of it to be a bit, um, of a relief 
Um, because it was almost like there were there were parts of there were conflicts that were sort of set up. Um, and I would say that they almost like they are analogous to so like a, a, like a conflict that might arise in like a sitcom or something like that. Like when Jake inv- invites all of the baseball buddies to the theater uh, party, you think that like in my head, I was like, oh, you know, he's going to ruin his relationship with this woman because he's going to bring all these jocks to her theater party and they're going to ruin it in some way or something like that. Right. Yeah. And that's not at all what happens. Everyone goes there and has a great time. And it's just like, it was (laughs) for me, it was like kind of a relief that like that none of that, none of that expected tension happened. It was just kind of like, Oh, everyone was nice. That's nice. That's nice. This is a nice movie. (laughs) Uh, I think we're going to head into our fixes here, but as we've been discussing this, it did remind me, if you want another movie set in a very specific time that just sort of follows some characters in and out of scenarios as they learn and grow, uh, uh, Licorice Pizza is basically that. Really? Uh, Just this, like, couple, um, Paul Thomas Anderson movie about just, like, two young people, like, falling in love and like like they're 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 navigating their weird relationship by rubbing it up against a bunch of weird scenarios um so uh and like a lot of plot elements get added late in the movie because it's a bunch of almost vignettes instead of an an, an arc but um we've also been seeing a lot of praise of this one so i'm excited to get into our fixes uh, because i think that's where we can maybe find uh some of its faults polish them up do you polish baseballs um, and uh, uh, make this an even better film. What's up, nerds? This is Josh from Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, comics, and so much more. Every week, we break down the latest blockbuster movies, TV shows, revisit comic events. We even talk to comic creators like Kyle Higgins, Melissa Flores, and Matt Groom. And don't miss out on our superhero showdown episodes where we debate your suggestions on who would win in a fight, or maybe they might become friends. So join in on the conversation with me, Josh, and my co-host Alex every Wednesday on your podcatcher of choice. Look for our yellow and red icon, and we'll see you soon, smackheads. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're talking everybody wants some exclamation point, exclamation point with Scott Belford, the host of the Blue Jays podcast, The Walk-Off. Um it, I, I meant to ask this off the top, Scott. We're this, we couldn't be farther from baseball season, right? Well, actually, pitchers and catchers just reported to spring training a couple days ago, and things there's starting to be things to talk about again. I've we've still been podcasting like three times a week because uh, all of our listeners are ridiculous nerds. So uh, <laughs> that's that's so we're ours. Yeah, that's there the- you go. Right, it's a good cross. It's a good gr- cross genre here. But uh, yeah, so it is It is starting to kick into gear here, and I'm excited. I'm actually headed to spring training here in uh, about a week, so I'm excited to go down and watch some baseball and check out some of those minor oh, league oh. parks. Yeah. Cool. Sick. Uh, excited for you. Yeah, I uh, love seeing you traveling around, going to all the different baseball events. Um, I just love, I love when people have a passion for things like <laughs> movies, sports, whatever. Just it's... It is cool and good to invest yourself in something. I Agreed. Think one of the points of life. Um, yes. Speaking of points, I have some pointers for this movie. Uh, I'll, I'll start. I'll kick us off, if you will. Uh, allow me. Um, I understand why we spend so much time in the early part of the movie meeting the whole team. Um, it's the foundation that the back half is built on. But... As Greg said in the first half, it really, really things really kick off like when he meets Beverly, like getting that relationship going is like kind of 
when you get a deeper emotional investment. And I would have liked to have seen a little more from Beverly earlier. One interaction with her between when she flirts with him in the car and when he uh, tapes roses to her door. Just one other moment where they interact. um, Because I just wanted to get to know her a little more and just see him kind of like pining where it's it almost felt like they forgot about her until over halfway through uh can i jump in on you right there sure because i this this leads directly into what my fix was going to be if you can even call it a fix because i don't know that this would make the movie better it would make it different what if the movie wasn't only about jake what if it was split between jake and beverly evenly we we meet Jake, he meets Beverly, and then we cut between the two of them following both of their first weekend at college, and then it yeah. dovetails together at the party at the end. I even have in my notes here, um, Jake gets Beverly way too easy. Like, it happened, it, <laughs> like, it just, it was just like, boom, boom, done, right? And it's like, yeah. I, I love that you brought up, I, I yeah, more Beverly. Really would have helped a lot yeah. of things here, I think, yeah. Well, it might have added more girls to the cast if, like, we were following Beverly and some of the people surrounding her, as well as Jake and some of the people surrounding him. Uh, I, I think it's a really astute observation, Scott, because they, because because they, you know, they mirror each other in the way that they, uh, you know, their past, how they're dealing with, uh, as you said in the in the previous half about being the most skilled at something in high school and coming to college and not uh, being the most skilled, like. It would definitely be interesting to see the two of them, um, kind of uh, you know, how they uh, how their whole college experience works, and then how it ultimately comes together in them and them being a, a couple. I think that would be really interesting. And then you can have sort of they could probably meet at parties here and there, and maybe you know, and maybe um, they don't necessarily click right away, or there's. Uh, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a major amount of conflict, but just you know, maybe she's she's standoffish to him. Well, they or something like that. It makes me it wonder how much got cut, right? Because I, I this is one of those movies where I do get the feeling the producer was like eighty six minutes. We get this. <laughs> <laughs> we can yeah. get this down to under ninety minutes. So I, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I could have watched. Um, no joke. I could have watched another hour of this movie. Yeah. Like I would, and it, I would have just been like, I'm still having a good time. <laughs> so I came to a, a similar conclusion when I was writing like, Hey, he should meet Beverly earlier at first of like, Oh, why don't we just have see Beverly's point of view and other like, so that this movie passes the Bechdel test and we have just more women in the movie. <laughs> I think that's a good, a good reason to do that. But overall, I actually don't think I'm going to have to disagree, I guess, um, because almost every scene has Jake in it and it's entirely from his perspective and it's him meeting all of these new people and experiencing all these new scenarios, which is why I phrase mine as I want him to have one more interaction with Beverly um, between uh, the flirting and the roses. Cause it's, it is sort of like one of the harder new experiences for him to navigate, but still keep it focused on him. Because if we do what you say, Scott, where we follow Beverly like a second point of view character. Now we need her cast of wacky housemates. Yeah. Her cast of uh, what? What does it look like when she goes to the the culinary school party? Yeah. We're we're um, definitely adding like an hour to the film. As I said, or I don't know that my suggestion 
hours and hours of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> of uh, the, the baseball team. Yeah. Yeah. No, as I said, I don't know that my suggestion makes the movie better. It would just make it different. Um, actually, if I can, if I can take Scott's comment and your suggestion and Greg's suggestion and kind of merge them, mix them in a pot into a baseball stew. Um, <laughs> I think a good, a good thing would have been for him to bump into her at another one of the venues they go to at some point, but for yeah. them to have bounced off each other where they had that little flirt at first. And then he meets her in a completely different environment and it doesn't go well. Like he, he tries to flirt with her again, but he tries to flirt with her the way that like the baseball team's just trying to pick up chicks and it mm -hmm. goes poorly. And she bounces off of that and he feels really bad about it, which is why he then goes and makes the romantic gesture with the flowers yeah. to try to like make a, make a good second impression. And then she gives him the time of day. They go on the date and they click because they realize they do have this shared connection. I think that would have been an interesting trajectory and would have given her more to do in the film as the top and really only build woman. <laughs> um. Especially if wherever they meet, it's maybe him being a little bit fake or him trying really hard to fit into whatever scenario they're in and her kind of calling him out like, yeah. Oh, you're here at this punk concert or, Oh, you're like, you're, you're line dancing now. Um, maybe that could be a source of the friction to also then reinforce the theme of like new French tears and trying out yeah. new shit. He's, he's He's coming across as fake because he's doing all this stuff, but also because that's what the that's what his teammates are doing, right? But at the mm -hmm. same time, he's also f trying to find himself. And when he's genuine with her in the end about that, yeah, no, I I like that. I think that plays well with the themes of the film and gives her more to do. <laughs> I like it too. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Any other notes? I got a couple more, but what do you got? I I was just gonna say, like, I actually don't have any notes for this one so i'm glad that scott had a bunch of stuff to to for us to to bounce off of but Blind Liam, yeah. I, I can't every like my my armchair armchair screenwriter brain wants to add a bunch of conflict to it and i can't remember if i said this on air or not but like i i just feel like if if i if i do that or if i suggest that i feel like i'm just kind of like adding things that are missing the point of the movie which is to be like a perfectly good slice of life you know Low yeah. con low conflict, very chill kind of movie. And and it and it's Hang perfectly yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 perfectly acceptable uh, the way that it the way that it is. Um, even though I, I think I maybe enjoyed it less than than the rest of you, but like it I can I can see where it where the appeal is. My only critique, and this critique is honestly, I know it's just me. <laughs> Because it's an 80s, it like it takes place in the 80s. So, of course, they're going to use 80s music. But, man, some of the music choices, I was like, we can't do better than this. Like this. <laughs> and again, I know music's a very personal taste thing. But that was like the big thing that like while watching it again, because I'd watched it once before and enjoyed it. So when you reached out, I was like, yeah, everybody wants them. I, I could do that again. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that the first time the music rubbed me the wrong way, too. So They kept using music that I only know the Weird Al lyrics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I did get a little excited. The The punk house plays Stiff Little Fingers. Yes. I was kind of like, okay, yeah. I'm, like, I'm into it. But that's because I'm a punk nerd. Yeah. At risk of just gushing about the movie more, I, I like that. 
they go to the punk concert and they're having a party later that night. And when you see the party later that night, the punks are all at the party. They invited the punks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just all good vibes. And also, I don't think you need to apologize for gushing about this movie. We do some absolute slogs on this show. (laughs) Every now and then. This Every is a very interstellar situation, right? Yeah, where we we went into it expecting that it was going to be bad, and we're all just coming out of it going, "Oh, you know what? I really enjoyed that one." It's so funny because it is a mediocre mu- movie, but it's one of those mediocre movies that was just like a good ninety minute watch. Like I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, I kind of agree with Greg. If you and I, I hate to say it because this is what our podcast is about, but it's hard to change anything in this movie without like fundamentally undermining the movie in a way. Like it's, yeah. it's so tight in what it wants to deliver. And like it, it almost feels weird trying to like move things around or add something in. I don't know. Even the note yeah. I had that he got Beverly too easily after we, I, it didn't, it doesn't feel accurate now that we've had this discussion, right? Like after talking this movie for 45 minutes, I'm like, no, they, they obviously specifically avoided any sort of conflict or problem that could happen. Like yeah, this was a, yeah. uh, this was a choice. Like, yeah. yeah. And sometimes people just like have a, have a spark and decide to hook up. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. With the two of them. Yeah. Especially in college. Um, I guess then if we're, if we're talking about conflict and how it doesn't really need it because it's not about that, then my other two notes are I would I would like them to cut them. The, like the movie should cut the setup of two conflicts that I saw that never come up again and never get resolved. I don't understand why Buter leaves, comes back and goes, yeah, false alarm. And it's like, well, then why did you leave? like, why did we have this whole thing about him leaving and him? Like, I don't, I don't know what the, po- like there was other, all the other great stuff with Buter was, was good for the character, good for the movie. But that particular, I'm like, did they just, could that actor not shoot for a week or something? Like, why does that character leave for half the movie and come back for no reason? Yeah. Cause he could have left and like, you could have never seen him again and it would not have affected anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's so they could have that that there's there's kind of a resolution to that because they have that that scene. I think it's in a cafeteria or some yep. yeah it's after whatever. practice. Yeah, and they and he talks about how there's so much temptation around him, mm-hmm. and that was a scene where I was expecting like all the baseball jocks to make fun of him for wanting to have like a a steady. A girlfriend or whatever and then they all tell him like eh no man just like you you stay rock solid you you don't <laughs> you know <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing it was just like another another one of those things where it set up some conflict and it was like no we're gonna do the nice thing <laughs> yeah because yeah because he's he like his whole arc is pretty much about how he's trying to remain faithful and steadfast to his lady yeah and that she has the pregnancy scare and he rushes back to her side to like make sure everything's kosher and he comes back and the pressure's off and he's clearly more relaxed because of that. Mm -hmm. And then when he has that moment of vulnerability and he's like, ah, you know, like there's that girl making like flirty eyes at me and there's a lot of temptations around and the guys rally around him and are like, no, actually if like we support you, like don't, 
don't give in like (laughs) that's and that's again that ties back into like them gelling as a team and them kind of in a way being there for each other even though they're they're always in competition with one another but they're also all supporting and and lifting each other up yeah it's it's a weird relationship dynamic between all of them and i like it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it was fun yeah it was fun it's such a it's it's such a like a kind of like an idealistic view of what of what <laughs> college is i mean if you think about like what a what a, a much more uh realistic view of college would be you know <laughs> there would be there would be all sorts of dark stuff going yeah. on and, and conflict and things like that and yeah it's just it, it's it's nice to watch something where like well here's how it could be like this could be nice. Yeah, right? yeah. This, this is like the opposite of rent. Like it's just like <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of people coming together and great things and nice things happen to them. Yeah. In fairness, in fairness, it is only like the four days leading up to the first day. Yeah. Of yes, sure. and it's yeah, mostly them the, just partying and hanging. They out, had to so. cut. Yeah. they had to cut pretty quick there. Yeah, there could be a sequel called "Everybody Not Wants None," where <laughs> all the bad shit starts happening. <laughs> <laughs> Guys getting hooked on steroids and failing school and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, uh, amazing. I did. I did want to take this conversation in in a bit of a, a di- different direction since we're 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 uh, short on time here, but th- or uh, long on what's the word? Short on notes. <laughs> the, I think yeah, short on notes. That's what I'm thinking of because I was thinking before we watched this movie because like I had thought we were going to be watching like a baseball baseball movie initially so i it, i it's got my brain thinking about what sports are inherently cinematic and what aren't and i kind of like and i'm interested uh to get your thoughts on this mr belford because um for me like baseball like baseball movies in general are kind of like inherently cinematic because there's you know the direct conflict between a pitcher and uh, a batter. There's the the heightened um, uh, drama of the bases being loaded and all that kind of stuff. Home runs, big catches, and stuff like that. And there's such isolated moments that is, and they're really easy to film. I think. I in mean, dramatic ways. I'm biased, but yeah, I think I think baseball is the most romantic sport you could possibly tell a story about, and you really <laughs> summed it up beautifully. And like, there's always going to be. The, uh, the competition, the one-on-one competition that is taking place at the forefront and then the team is in the background. So you can really have some like cool camera work and cool team or uh, cool adversarial looking pitches, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just visually, it's like it's very clear, like antagonist, protagonist with with how the sport is set up. Whereas maybe it is even the sense of place, like the fact that you can, you know what a baseball diamond looks like, whereas like a a boxing ring or a a hockey rink. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was going to get at because like, like my sport is hockey and like, I have not seen any movie yet that properly cinematically interprets the sport of hockey because, and because it is so chaotic and it's just it, it's much more difficult, I think, to to film, uh, you know, a hockey play developing and 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 what's magical about that. Um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of huh. hockey tends to be filmed in like hyper close ups of like sticks and skates and things like that, and none of that is like really uh, what is interesting about the sport. This the sport is is so fast, um, and and seeing how. Oh, players deal with that 
speed and skill and and how they're and how they you know are able to make plays and things like that it's very i think it's just not as it's just not as naturally cinematic as even baseball or even football which you know football you get those nice like you know you've got the huddle where you can raise the the drama and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you again once again you have like uh you know quarterback and receiver so there's some there's very easy visual cues to like you know what the goal is it's it, like it, it's you know football is not necessarily a, a simple sport but like that part of it is the cinematic part of it is no i i could uh never say what you just said but i agree with everything <laughs> that you you pointed out no it was very well said i agree yeah is it, would, is it maybe a time? Th- oh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Oh, uh, I was I was going to say boxing is probably another sport that's inherently very cinematic. Yeah, yeah. I'm not just saying yeah. that because of like Rocky and Creed mm-hmm. or Raging Bull, but they're all prime examples of how you get like you have that one on one conflict. You can get in really tight with the two people who are in the ring. Um, you can have big moments and like and like really low lows, really high highs. Um, it's again, it 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 has that inherent cinematic nature to it. I'm just thinking about specifically hockey and what Greg said. And I wonder if it is because there's not a lot of downtime in the action in hockey. Like once, yeah. once the faceoff happens, it's one smooth fluid motion until someone scores a goal where even basketball, you get the hang time of the layup or the dunk. You get it bouncing on the rim. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the boxing has rounds baseball, yeah. obviously the innings, right? Like, or the, I'm not even meaning pitches like right down to like three, you know, three pitches. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of elements of it. That's, that's, um, I mean, in hockey, you have like the countdown to the, the end of the period or, or going into overtime and those things, those things are definitely like cinematic, but it's just like, then it becomes the challenge of like filming that. And I think that's where hockey movies really struggle is like interpreting the drama that obviously exists in hockey because it, you know, for me, it's the best sport and like, it is like high drama to me, but like, just, you can't, you can't interpret it, uh, it particularly well for whatever reason, either that, or it's just a bunch of Americans filming it and have no idea. <laughs> well, <know>. it's, <laughs> it's not just that here's, here's something that I will point out when you watch most hockey films. And when you think about most of the more popular or famous hockey films, what are they about? They're about the violence violence they're about yeah. the hooligans on the team they're about they're the goons the two most famous i can think of are comedies Slapshot yeah. and yeah. goon yeah mm-hmm. and and i think but, it's yeah but that's the reason they focus on those because the, they are they are big characters on the team they get into fights which means that you have instant conflict that is very easy to like focus on um it's that's that's what hockey movies that's what the the good quote unquote hockey movies focus on. And you're right. It's because it's hard. Hockey is so fast, uh, that it's hard to like zero in on like the drama of a play uh, of, of hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Sports in general are just a great way to like manufacture drama. Like it's, oh, for it's, sure. there's in here, like as a non-sport, like, I don't like any sports, but I love sports movies yeah. because it's just like the stakes are really easy to establish and the drama is just like cooked into the premise. Yeah. 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 Even the, even the baseball movies that aren't about baseball specifically, like the play on the, on the field, like there's, they, they still managed to, you know, have very high drama. And I'm thinking of something like, you know, Moneyball yeah. or something like that, where, mm-hmm. where one of the most dramatic scenes is just 
Brad Pitt sitting and and uh you know pacing yeah. while they're trying to get they're trying to get the the 20 the their 20th win or whatever right and like and they're not even really showing too much of what's going on in the field like yeah there's there's just a a lot about um a baseball that's like simple in a way but like just like just like very friendly to cinema i think dope um big thoughts from us and big thoughts from our listeners as well uh we're going to jump into listener comments here thank you to everyone who uh hits us with those when we ask for them uh Andrew Craig says, I need to watch this again. I love it paired with Dazed and Confused. I really enjoy the slice of life aspect of Linklater's storytelling and the you know, music. <laughs> fair. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would, I would be interested to watch this as a double feature, starting with Dazed and Confused and ending with yeah. Everybody Wants Some. Because then you get the end of high school and the beginning of college. And I, I wonder if the movies would harmonize in an interesting way that yeah. way. I do kind Much of like, I more uh, or less did. I watched them about a week apart and yeah, that it makes the it makes the ending of high school, the beginning of college really stand out <laughs> the closer you watch them together. I do kind of enjoy that, and I mean this is coming from a baseball fan, so of course, but I do kind of enjoy that in both Days and Confused and Everybody Wants Some, they could have easily chose football to be the primary sport that these American college or high school kids are pursuing, and both are baseball. I mean, America's pastime. I know that that's what it's called, but you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but football's well, baseball is America's pastime. Football is America's religion. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, even I know when the Super Bowl is, I couldn't tell you when the world series is. <laughs> like, I, uh, I kind of like that in this movie, they were talking about how like, yeah, there's other teams, uh, in the college, but none of them are the baseball team. <laughs> the football team, detail. the football team's okay. The basketball team's got nothing going for them. We're the stars around here. Well, you don't need to tell people what your major is. You just need to say, I'm a baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Kucharavi says, I very much enjoyed this movie. You know what, Scott? There's already two Scots on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we Enough also enjoyed this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we also enjoyed this movie. So stop stealing our thunder. <laughs> and Tack commented, my first note is this movie isn't, isn't pandering to my tastes. What am I supposed to do? Get out of my comfort zone? Expand my horizons? <laughs> I, I see uh, what yeah, you Tack. did there, Tack. <laughs> <laughs> Frontiers are where you find them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> or we'll be back to reviewing Marvel movies soon enough. Yeah, I'm we'll sure. do <laughs> sci-fi, <laughs> sci-fi stuff sooner than later. Um, yeah, but this uh, this was a blast. It was a blast. Talk about blast to, to connect with Scott Belford again, man. Um, I'm, you know, it was so great uh, being on the show, guys. Honestly, I really, really enjoyed chatting this movie with you. Yeah, well, we'll have to have you back to talk another sports movie sometime. Yes, please. Love that idea. Uh, yeah. And so you can again, follow, uh, the walk off podcast, uh, on YouTube. Just look up the walk off podcast at the walk off podcast on Instagram at walk off podcast. No, the on uh, X, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe. Uh, and of course, uh, Scott's got a great stand up comedy album as well called staying together for the cat that you can find on your music streaming services of choice. So, yeah. Uh, and of course, you can follow us. Uh, same deal. Uh, Facebook.com slash I have some notes at I have some notes on Twitter at I have some notes pod on Instagram. But of course, we just want you to come join our Discord server. Uh, it's open to the public. We are having some great conversations in there um, talking about 
trailers we saw, the last thing we watched, what's going wrong with the uh, movie industry. Uh, Scott, like you were describing your, your uh, the, the walk-off patrons uh, really get deep and gritty yes. and into the weeds with the hobby. Uh, a lot of that over at the I Have Some Notes Discord Love as it. well. But for movie stuff, um, and if nothing else, please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast wherever it is you're listening to it. Yeah, you can also head over to patreon.com slash I have some notes if you'd like to give us a little monetary support. Uh, it uh, doesn't doesn't take a lot, but it helps us out quite a bit. And we do appreciate it. And uh, we do throw some, some little extras to our patrons. So uh, if you want to get in on that, do come on and check that out and help us out. And in two weeks, we're going to have a, a special side notes edition where we're going to run ourselves an intellectual property lottery. So tune in two weeks for that. Interesting. Think, yeah, to find out what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mystery. Uh, keep, keep your eye actually on our socials. We might be asking for some input on it. Some yeah. uh, intellectual properties that you uh, <laughs> might might work for the episode. Uh, but until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. For pop flies. Yeah. <laughs>